Greetings, my fellow Dungeon Masters. Welcome back to another episode of Knights and Nerds Podcast, and we are going to create a villain today. And I know that it's been quite some time since the last one of these episodes, I think back in April, and I certainly haven't wanted to leave it this long, but I've been busy. So here we are, looking at making a villain by using monk stuff for our inspiration. If you haven't listened to one of these episodes before, here's what we're doing. We're going to brainstorm an idea for a bad guy. We're going to come up with some plot hooks and some abilities to challenge your players. And we're going to sort of read over like the monk abilities and monk lore to get there. So first off, as I usually do, I want to look at what is a monk. I want to look at some stuff in the player's handbook and the other texts that can give us some good ideas for plot hooks. And then I want to look at some of their abilities and crank up those abilities to 11 uh, to make something interesting for a group of players to be terrified by. Okay, so let's get started. What is a monk? Well, according to these definitions that I googled, a monk is a person who has withdrawn from the world for religious or spiritual reasons, especially as a member of an order of Cenobites, sounds like a kind of fossil, living according to a particular rule and under vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. A monk may be a person who decides to dedicate his or her life to serving all other living beings, or to be an ascetic who voluntarily chooses to leave mainstream society and live his or her life in prayer and contemplation. The concept is ancient and can be seen in many religions and in philosophy. Now, an ascetic, spelled A-S-C-E-T-I-C, is someone who does away with a lot of worldly goods and subsists really on the bare minimum. And I just googled it because I wasn't quite sure of my own definition. Uh, characterized by or suggesting the practice of severe self-discipline and abstention from all forms of indulgence. So, that's sort of interesting right off the bat. You have a person who voluntarily removes themselves from society for whatever reason. You can get into some reasons soon, and those reasons may lead into some plot hooks and villain motivations. Who knows? Now, just to further dig into that uh, concept of asceticism... We're going to read something from the player's handbook about the monks. For a monk, becoming an adventurer means leaving a structured communal lifestyle to become a wanderer. This can be a harsh transition, and monks don't undertake it lightly. Those who leave their cloisters take their work seriously, approaching their adventures as personal tests of their physical and spiritual growth. As a rule, monks care little for material wealth, and are driven by a desire to accomplish a greater mission than merely slaying monsters and plundering their treasure. Okay, so that's kind of interesting. Now, what I'm reading into this, if we're thinking about an evil monk, someone who cares very little or not at all for the trappings of, of a well-to-do society, or of wealth, or of possessions of any kind. So here's a villain, a bad guy, who can't be bribed, can't be bought, 
and their end goal should be something other than material. So that's, that's something that we'll come back to shortly. And to continue from the player's handbook, whatever their discipline, monks are united in their ability to magically harness the energy that flows in their bodies. Whether channeled as a striking display of combat prowess or a subtler focus of defensive ability and speed, this energy infuses all that a monk does. Monks make careful study of a magical energy that most monastic traditions call key. This energy is an element of the magic that suffuses the multiverse. Specifically, the element that flows through living bodies. Monks harness this power within themselves to create magical effects and exceed their body's physical capabilities, and some of their special attacks can hinder the flow of key in their opponents. Just going to put a little asterisk next to that, because that's something that we're going to come back to for some abilities for our monk villain. Continuing on this uh, paragraph, using this energy... Monks channel uncanny speed and strength into their unarmed strikes. As they gain experience, their martial training and their mastery of key gives them more power over their bodies and the bodies of their foes. Now, just before we kind of move on, uh, a few examples, popular examples of monks would be, I think the most popular would be Batman. Batman and the League of Shadows. I'm not too familiar with the League of Shadows in the comics, but in the movie Batman Begins, uh, it's a good example of a cloister, kind of far removed from society, you know, they're way up on a mountain, and their philosophy is really primary over their combat abilities. I think if you remember, they tried to take down Gotham with economics, which sounds, you know, very boring for a, a monk villain, but uh, just goes to show you that their philosophy, their their sort of mindset, is really the defining feature of that character and not necessarily how they fight. But taking a step back, we can say that monks are a martial class with martial arts as the way that they fight. They're like a fighter, not a substitute for a fighter, though, uh, so instead of being able to fend off attacks with high hit points and heavy armor, monks fend off attacks with being fast and agile. While they can be harder to hit than a fighter, when a monk does get hit, they certainly feel it more since they don't have a large reservoir of hit points that the fighter has. Therefore, their tactics are quite different. You know, a fighter and a barbarian, they want to get up front and they want to tank. And they want to be the focus of melee combat because they can stay in combat longer than most other people in the party. The monks' tactics a little bit different. They want to get into melee and try to minimize their chance of being hit, however they want to accomplish that. Whether that's by dodging or by leaving combat quickly altogether. Like hit and run tactics. So a monk and a fighter both have martial training quite possibly the same background. Uh, it wouldn't be that big of a stretch that a monk has the soldier background just like Spruce Lee does. What's the main difference? A fighter is a weapon master, plain and simple, and a monk may also be a weapon master, but with a very narrow selection of weapons. The main part of their arsenal is their mind. 
They use their mind to harness key. As it says above, monks make careful study of magical energy. So they're studying this, which means it's not innate. It's not something that they're born with, like a sorcerer. The energy is not within them. It's not specific that they are uniquely able to study it. So it's not like they have a mutant gene to get superpowers. So the way that I'm reading this is it takes only willpower, focus, and discipline to learn how to use key. It requires study, but not in the same way that a wizard studies magic and spells. It's like learning something on a more intuitive level, which is likely why the save DC for the key empowered abilities uses the monk's wisdom modifier and not their intelligence modifier. Now, just going back to one of those paragraphs for a minute, the monks sound like Jedi. I mean, I gave the example of Batman, but Jedi are the other obvious example. And a monk and a Jedi, same thing, their minds are as much weapons as their actual weapons are. So I'm just going to reread that paragraph for a moment and just imagine that I'm talking about Jedi and not monks. Uh, These people make careful study of a magical energy that most traditions call the Force. Should have said key. This energy is an element that suffuses the multiverse, specifically the element that flows through living bodies. They harness this power within themselves to create effects and exceed their body's physical capabilities, and some of their special attacks can hinder the flow of the Force in their opponents. Yeah, so these are essentially Jedi. And really, while I was writing this episode, I was thinking, you know what? Wizards of the Coast could have made the monk the first psionic class of 5th edition if they really wanted to. In fact, in 4th edition, the monk was a psionic class, and some of the 4th edition monk abilities were almost directly transposed to the unearthed arcana mystic, which was the first, and I think maybe still the only, psionic class for 5th edition. I don't know if you've read the Unearthed Arcana for the Mystic, but it's absolutely ridiculous uh, in many ways. But some of the abilities are neat. Some of the abilities are direct copies from the Monk from 4th edition, though. So, in my opinion, they should have made the 5th edition Monk fully psionic. Uh, They could have had a wider range of... Abilities, you know, for the Path of the Sun Soul, I think it's called. They've, uh, or the the Path of the Four Elements, um, or the Four Winds, whatever it's called. You know, there's just kind of transposed spell casting onto the monk, which is uh, fine, I guess. Could be better. If they had made it a fully psionic class, it could have really expanded the abilities and really differentiated the monk from the fighter in a much more meaningful way. Okay. So now that we've kind of talked about what the heck a monk is, oh, there was one other thing that I wanted to mention. There is a series of books. Hang on, I'm looking it up. Yeah, there's a series of books, uh, three books, and I think this series is called The Prince of Nothing. And the one of the main characters is a monk named uh, Kellis. Anna Surimbor Kellis. Uh, and... It's a really neat book series. It's got a very, very rich setting uh, that really impressed me. But the writing is great, too. 
I, I really do recommend it. But the monk leaves his monastery, and if I'm recalling correctly, it's been a while since I read it, but if I'm recalling correctly, the monks are, as many monks are, removed from society, and so they have no experience or understanding of magic, and they kind of think that it's a myth or uh, a fabrication or some kind of like fable that magic that they've heard of is is just kind of talk for something else. So when this monk actually encounters magic for the first time, uh, it doesn't go very well for him and really surprises him. So that's, I think that's an aspect of a monk character that could be really interesting. I mean, for your players, uh, it, that's not really something that's built into the rules for a monk. But if you had an ambitious player who, you know, had a character who, really had no experience with broader society, perhaps very wise in the way of their cloister, but not street smart, like a certain bard that we all know. That could be kind of interesting. Anyways, a bit of a digression. Let's talk about some plot hooks and some motivations. We've already discussed the League of Shadows from Batman Begins, and that a monk may shun material wealth and the fineries of society. And that actually was the motivation for the League of Shadows for Batman Begins. Uh, they were kind of disgusted with the corruption of a certain society. So like, you know what? We need to do a hard reboot on Gotham City. And, and that was their whole thing. So you could have a villain who's, you know, very, or character, who removes himself from society, kind of disgusted with the opulence and maybe the abuse of power by those in power. And in their monastery, they continue to hear stories of, of how things are going in the, in the cities that are not too far away, and they get kind of sickened by it. To get some other motivations, I looked into Xanathar's guide at the This Is Your Life chapter. They've got some pretty cool options for like generating backstories. So I wanted to go through a couple with you. So on page 67, there is this section that says, I became a monk because, and it gives you six options, and you can just roll for a random option, and they have one of these for every class. It's pretty cool. And I'm going to try to read some of my notes that got me kind of going on a tangent to what I settled on as a good, solid motivation for a monk bad guy that you could use for a good chunk of a campaign. The first motivation that really jumped out at me was number three, which says, I stumbled into a portal to the Shadowfell and took refuge in a strange monastery where I learned how to defend myself against the forces of darkness. Now, this actually was more or less the motivation that I used for my campaign that I had before starting the podcast. The main villain was a drow, and I used the Unearthed Arcana Mystic uh, abilities for him. Uh, they had just come out by the time the players were getting close to facing off against him, which was great because I really had no idea what to do, like how to make this villain imposing. But the character was a uh, an elf that had been cursed to become a drow and so took refuge in the Underdark and then found that the Underdark was a much more unforgiving place uh, and a place where he learned a whole lot of abilities by observing other societies 
and he got all these cool powers as a result. He thought to himself, you know what? The Underdark is a much more fair place. Only the strong will survive, and I'm going to take it upon myself to cleanse the world above of all their weaknesses and all of their politicking and all of their pretense. And I'm going to merge the Underdark with the material plane. I guess in my world, the Underdark was its own uh, plane of existence. And my bad guy needed to destroy three seals that an elven god had placed to keep his piece of crap son who controlled the Underdark uh, sealed away. And by destroying these seals, the Underdark would uh, explode into the material plane and everything would be bad forever. So that was, that was my bad guy. He was a drow, basically a monk, or at least he had this motivation. Shouldn't say a monk. He was a psionic, uh, psionicist who really took the players for a ride. Going back to that list, um, number four, I was overwhelmed with grief after losing someone close to me, and I sought the advice of philosophers to help me cope with my loss. Now, I started writing these out, and as I've said before, if you're brainstorming, definitely put pen to paper. Your brain is more active when you're actually physically writing. I'm pretty sure that's a fact. I'm going to say I'm confident that that is true for most people. So I started jotting down a few ideas. So this evil monk loses someone and they are grief stricken. Something that we can all relate to. And this might make your villain sympathetic in some ways. Now, as I've said before, you don't want to make your villain too sympathetic so that your party feels bad for killing them. But a little bit of sympathy is okay. So our bad guy is trying to cope. What happens if he can't? What happens if he just cannot come to terms with what has happened? Does he think that the rest of the world should share in his misfortune? I was reading the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, and there is another monk class in there called the Way of the Long Death, and these monks actually study death. I know it sounds very cheery, uh, but it could lead this particular monk to that path, the Way of the Long Death, studying death in order to better understand it and perhaps control it or defeat it and I was just kind of jotting down everything that came into my mind so the next thing I wrote was undead monk necromonk uh, learning to sap the living of their strength strength and then I wrote down channel negative key or anti-key and then I was like well anti-key would kind of destroy magic wouldn't it destroy the magic that suffuses the multiverse that sounds bad I don't know what anti-key would do but probably nothing good and then I thought, what if this monk wants to destroy magic? Period. Not a necromonk, but an anti-magic monk. So tying these things together, we have an evil monk. He didn't start out evil, but he's evil now. Uh, who lost someone, or perhaps lost many people, due to the reckless use of magic. Like that meme about adventurers fireballing a shop owner. And now he has harnessed negative key to annihilate magic. Now, this motivation could feed into some abilities that we're going to talk about soon. Now, you may be thinking that this motivation sounds like, uh, I think the character's name is Mordo from Doctor Strange, uh, from the end of that Doctor Strange movie. And you know what? It kind of is. It kind of is exactly that character, like where, where that character ended up, saying there's too many sorcerers. That's what the problem is. You could have this monk maybe want to destroy 
like a wizard college, or perhaps they're going to try to destroy the source of magic in your world. A few years ago, I was co-writing a graphic novel that kind of got shelved, but in our world, there was magic that came from essentially like meteor shards. I'm sure this is not like an original idea uh, that were like buried far underground after being after falling to Earth, you know, eons ago. So that's where magic comes from. And so if you wanted, you could introduce something similar to your world. Like, you know what, this this physical object here is the source of magic. This guy wants to destroy it. So all of a sudden, you know what? I guess it wouldn't destroy magic, period, because you've got warlocks whose abilities come from a patron. um, And, you know, some people, I guess some classes get theirs from deities. So it wouldn't annihilate magic entirely. But I guess it could sideline wizards and sorcerers, perhaps. I mean, if you wanted to raise the stakes, yes, it could could potentially be... Uh, that this material, whether it's in one location or spread out a whole bunch of different locations, is sort of like a prism, and magic enters the world through these locations, whether it's from, you know, another plane that's purely magic, or whether the deities interact with their followers through these prisms. You get, you get what I am trying to put down here. You can do whatever the heck you want. You're the DM. So there, we've got a couple decent motivations. The second one I like more because it gives for a more well-rounded character. You know, you've got some backstory. You've got a little bit of, you know, sympathy uh, for them. But this villain is on a rampage and is after not a material thing, but an actual goal that will have negative consequences for a whole lot of people. And that could be an interesting conversation with like between your characters, like what, maybe maybe you've got a couple of fighters and like a rogue who don't use magic. And they're like, well, I really don't care. You know, magic does a lot of good for people. How will we defend ourselves against dragons if there's no uh, no way for us to cast um, lightning bolt or whatever? But our villain wouldn't be concerned with questions like that. They think they're in the right. They have this twisted way of rationalizing their actions like all good villains do. Okay, now we're going to move on to some abilities. So we're going to look at some monk stuff, and then we're going to turn that up to 11. Now, since the monk's existing baseline abilities help it avoid getting hit on account of being faster and more agile than their opponents, or being able to move in and out of combat rapidly, we're going to try to keep our abilities sort of based on on that kind of motif. Uh, And we're going to tailor some of our abilities around that. So one of the earlier abilities, and a really cool one, that a monk gets is the ability to deflect arrows. You can swat away incoming ranged attacks, arrows or javelins or what have you. I was thinking, can we apply this to other things as well, like ranged spell attacks? There's a spell called Absorb Elements, and that's kind of what, I guess, uh, it reminded me of this idea. But also, if you remember that scene from Empire Strikes Back, where Han Solo is shooting at Darth Vader, and Darth Vader is simply absorbing all of the blaster shots into his hand. Again, making the comparison of Jedi to a monk. I think that would be neat. I think it could work well against things like Firebolt or Eldritch Blast. You could have this as a reaction specifically against Cantrip or, I mean, even Magic Missile. 
if you wanted to be mean. How to do this mechanically, I'm not quite sure, but you could have the monk make a wisdom or constitution saving throw that exceeds the player's two-hit roll against the monk. And if you roll higher, then you simply absorb that attack, and it does nothing. I do actually kind of like this because once that happens, it's going to encourage those players to maybe try a different approach. You know, if you just have somebody who's sitting in the back lines, sort of lobbing ranged attacks over and over, it could get a little boring for them if it's working over and over and there's really no challenge, but to force them to sort of think differently from round to round, that's always good. Always keeping it exciting. Now, one of the monk ways in the player's handbook, I think it's the way of the shadow, has a teleport ability. If you're standing in darkness, you can teleport to another spot within certain range that's also in darkness. Now, what I want to do is take that ability and modify it. So if the monk is subjected to a critical hit, they can instantly teleport. Now they can still, will still take the damage from the crit, but this can get them out of danger if the critical hit reduces their hit points by a significant amount. But they're still conscious, obviously. Or they could teleport right behind the person who scored the critical hit against them and get a surprise attack. Now that would be a neat way uh, to follow up on you know, one of your players celebrating his success, because every player likes to score a natural 20, of course. But then, you know, having that victory being a little bit short-lived by the uh, monk immediately turning the tables and attacking them from behind. So, just staying with the ability to teleport for a minute. Many DMs have probably seen what happens when your big bad gets into combat with one or more melee-focused player characters. You throw a couple fighters or barbarians at your big bad, and they will start hacking away at the big bad's hit points pretty fast. So our monk should have a way to get out of this type of situation. He can teleport when he gets hit with the critical, but let's also give the monk the ability to teleport at least once per long rest, maybe a number of times equal to their wisdom modifier. But they don't need to be in darkness to do it. Now that's all well and good. But, let's, let's add in something cool. In addition, they can take one unwilling character with them. You could give that character the option for like a saving throw, if you want. So this could have a similar effect to the spell Scatter. It would allow you to rearrange how the player characters are set up. And would also allow you to isolate one character in particular away from the rest of the party, which would benefit our villain greatly by removing other combatants and would also allow you to do some serious damage to the one player character that you've isolated. Now again, this sort of ability could and should motivate your players to change their combat tactics. If they simply rush this evil monk, he'll simply teleport them away and choose one of them to pick on. They would have to approach the combat carefully using ranged attacks, and spells or abilities that would restrain or immobilize the monk, something that you could, you know, say prevents them from teleporting. Or they could, you know, employ hit-and-run tactics themselves. Now, I would just like to go back. I think I wrote all this down out of order. So I'm just going to hop back to the deflecting missiles ability. I wrote down, you know, what if you could deflect melee attacks? Now, there is one monk 
path. I think the, I don't know what I call it, the default path. But the first subclass, the way of the, the way of the open hand, uh, presumes that you're not using a weapon, just your hands. So what if you could deflect melee attacks with your hands? I mean, that's pretty cool. Some creatures in the monster manual and battle masters get an ability called parry. But I was thinking about something a little bit more devious, something that would enrage your players. If the monk is unarmed, it could deflect a melee attack with a chance to take someone else's weapon. How much would your characters hate that? I'll tell you, lots. They would hate it lots. And if they're fighting someone who has a shield, as a reaction, they could hijack that shield against an incoming melee or ranged attack. So they're kind of forcing the shield to a certain angle, like kicking someone's hand to sort of intervene against an incoming melee or ranged attack. So that could give the monk a plus two bonus to armor class. I mean, that would also, I think, enrage the players. You're using their armor for your bad guy. Which got me thinking, I mean, if, if you're blocking another melee attack, which, I mean, chances are, chances are, if you have a monk villain or a monk-ish villain, they're going to be flanked at some point. You're going to have more than one melee fighter on them. Uh, so what you could introduce is a chance that if your monk is flanked, a one melee attack hits another creature who's also flanking the monk. So let's say... You know, your evil monk has a certain AC, and they roll not quite high enough to hit the monk, but a roll that is higher than the other creature's armor class, the other creature that's flanking. So what's happening is the monk is deftly sidestepping and perhaps even redirecting the attacker's weapon towards their ally. Now, remember back way back when I read a paragraph that monks can use key to enhance their own body's physical abilities and also to hinder the flow of key in their opponents? Well, let's, let's zero in on that. Our monk can use their mental powers to affect the key in other creatures, or perhaps even to negate the key in other creatures. If we if we're going with this anti-magic monk, then perhaps their ability is to impede the use of certain abilities. Uh, counterspell would be a great thing. I know that I was ragging on the uh, one of the monk subclasses earlier just for tagging on um, spellcasting abilities, but here we are. I think counterspell would be a very great use. And I'm, I'm realizing that a lot of these things are reactions, which you could, um, if you're high enough level, you know, you can have more than one reaction for your bad guy, which is great. Uh, but counterspell perfectly fits in with the anti-magic monk. And if you're wanting to incorporate some abilities that represent the monk hindering the flow of key uh, in your opponents, then you could do something really dastardly, like any creature within 10 feet of the monk uh, does not gain any benefits from spells that heal. I mean, a fighter can still always use second wind, but that healing word, mm, not going to do it. You could also deafen or blind someone, or perhaps even prevent them from speaking, which would be, you know what, 
pretty devastating for a spellcaster that needs a verbal component to a spell. If all of a sudden they're mute, that's a problem. If you blind someone, uh, you know, a creature who's blind would not gain bonuses from, let's say, the College of Glamour Bard's Mantle of Inspiration. Like, certain abilities hinge on the, you know, target of a spell, if they're receiving a buff of some kind, has to be able to see the caster or whoever's imparting that bonus. A lot of, some, I should say some, some abilities specifically say that they have to be able to see you if they're to get this bonus. So if they're blind, suddenly that's a problem. I noted that the monk has something called stillness of mind, which uh, the monk uses the action, their action, to end a condition, frightened or charmed effect. And I thought, well, what about the opposite of that? What if we could uh, charm or frighten someone else? And I thought I was so clever, but the way of the long death monk has already has that ability to instill fear in someone. And the Unearth Arcana Mystic also had the ability to uh, cause, a, I think it was an intelligence saving throw. I could be mistaken. Uh, I think it was intelligence for up to, I think it could frighten up to six creatures by causing them to see or hear something terrible. I mean, I really do recommend going and reading that Unearthed Arcana because it's some of the abilities are really cool. But in, in terms of gameplay, I feel like they're kind of ridiculous. Turning Invisible could be interesting. And then I remembered, you know what, the Unearthed Ar Arcana Mystic does that as well. They have an ability where you can not turn invisible, but turn invisible to one creature. So you could say, hey, you know what, this barbarian can no longer see me. It's essentially just imposing disadvantage, which is no small thing, but saying that this, this player character can no longer see the enemy to me, it has more flavor. It hits home a bit more. Instead of just saying you have disadvantage on your attack rolls, it's like, oh, you can no longer see the villain. Is more impactful, in my opinion. And for bonus action every round, patient defense, dodge every round. Why not? Now, I was also looking at some feats for inspiration, because uh, somebody on, I think, Facebook had suggested using feats. I forgot to write down your name whoever you were who made that lovely suggestion, I apologize, but I did look at feats, and I found Mobile, which we should definitely give to this monk villain, because increases your speed by 10 feet. Cool. When you use the dash action on your turn, difficult terrain doesn't cost you extra movement on that turn. Yeah? Okay. But the big one, when you make a melee attack against a creature, you don't provoke opportunity attacks from that creature for the rest of the turn, whether you hit or not. Which makes me imagine a monk who is moving, you know, 40 or 50 feet in a single turn and has two or three attacks and can attack in a line, essentially hitting two or three player characters as they just zip 50 feet across the map. Which would be doubly cool if on the first attack, they steal someone's weapon, and then use it against the other two. That would make me smile. It would bring joy to my cold, dead heart. So yeah, this has been me talking about bad guys and monks. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've found this at least entertaining 
in some way if you end up using any of this in your game please let me know and if you have any suggestions to improve on any of the things i suggested or if i missed something which seems to me incredibly unlikely but i suppose it's, it's possible if i've missed something glaring and you're like hey this would be a great idea let me know get in touch with me on facebook or on twitter or instagram facebook we are knights and nerds podcast twitter and instagram we are at knights and nerds i get all the messages there none of the players read that because they're all too busy with you know having lives to handle another social media account anyways thank you very much for listening to this if you are enjoying these episodes as well as you know the actual play stuff and i really do hope that you are you can do us a huge favor by telling a friend hey listen to this podcast you could also help us out by leaving us a rating or review if you're able to do that wherever you listen to your podcasts. If not, that's okay too. If you're just content to listen along, that's totally fine. We love you regardless. So that's it for me for the time being, and now we're just going to let the outro music take it away because it's so epic. Like dun 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 dun